Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2019 at checkout to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwell. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented by The Green Solution. Visit any one of their 17 Colorado locations or browse their entire inventory online at MyGreenSolution.com. Reserve products online and pick up at your local TGS Express checkout. You'll be in and out in minutes. Use promo code BSN20, BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. What's going on, guys? Harrison Wind here on a Tuesday solo edition of the show. I had a lot of your questions pile up in the Total Beverage Fan Hotline, so I thought this morning would be a good chance to do a bit of a mailbag. Just keep this show exclusive to your questions. I think we've got four or five that we're going to go through. So that's what I'll do this morning. The Nuggets are in Golden State. In Oakland, California, they've got a date with the Golden State Warriors tonight. We'll have a podcast recording late Tuesday night to post early Wednesday morning with reaction from that game. It should be a great game, but I'm sure some of you guys will listen to this podcast after that game has already happened. So I thought this would be a good time for a mailbag edition of the show. If you guys do have a question for the show in the future, 1-800-BSN-8394, 1-800-BSN-8394. It's a Total Beverage fan hotline. It's how you get questions on this show. If you've never called before, it's just an answering machine. So leave your name, leave where you're calling from, and leave a message for the show. I've got a couple of these that came in after the Thunder game and before this last loss to the Washington Wizards. I've got a couple that came in after this loss to the Wizards. So I'm going to go chronologically, and I've got our first call coming in from Steve. This was after the win against the Thunder. You can probably tell that, though, from the tone in his voice. Yes, it's uh, Steve from Boulder. Oh, my gosh. That was an amazing game. I wasn't going to call you guys, but after that game, I have to call you. I mean, what a win. So um, indescribable, really. They had 30 assists. They, uh, every single player on the Nuggets were in the positive, in the plus-minus column. And just, you know, one of the definitely, in my mind, one of the uh, 
three top games of the season, particularly this late in the season, for them to come in and, and beat the Thunder uh, like they did. Um, so I have a couple questions for you guys. Uh, the first one has to do with the um, amazing discrepancy between um, how what they did in terms of their uh, three-point percentage uh, versus the Rockets and, uh, you know, versus the Thunder. So they went from 17% with the Rockets to uh, 42% with the Thunder. And I'm just wondering, is it just uh, the perimeter defense of the Rockets that made the difference? Or is there some sort of uh, collective chemistry that either goes uh, south or or that works together in terms of some sort of mojo that makes such a, a big difference in terms of their three-point percentage? I'm just wondering what you guys think. And then the other question, um, you know, I was watching the game, and I'm just wondering what, how you guys um, – what comes to mind in terms of how you watch the game? You know, what's – What's your lens? Um, what's, what are a few things that come to mind? Besides, obviously, everybody everybody watches the the player with the ball, whether it be offense or defense. But what other things when you're watching a game do you look for and do you uh, do you uh, kind of take into consideration? I'd just be uh, curious as you know some uh, sports aficionados. Um, what what uh, things come to mind when you Think about how you uh, how you view uh, your Nuggets experience. Anyway, go Nuggets and um, love yourself. Thanks for the question, Steve. Yeah, what an amazing win over the Thunder. Thinking back to that one, I agree. One of the best games Denver's played this season. I think if you asked guys on the coaching staff, guys around the team, even players, they'd probably say the same thing. But I mean, more of the same against the Thunder. 4-0, a clean season sweep of Denver in this one. I just kind of want to go back to this game one second, and I will get to the three-point shooting numbers here as well. Jamal Murray's game really still sticks out from uh, this Thunder win to me, and he has just had a great stretch here over the course of these last few games, and that's why it was such a shame that he got hurt, hurt his ankle in that win over the Wizards, only was able to play 22 minutes. And before that was actually trending towards a pretty good game. He was at 12 points on four of eight shooting, had already hit a couple threes. And this stretch may be one of the best of Jamal Murray's career, arguably the best of his career. I mean, he goes for 33 points against the Pistons, efficient shooting numbers, had 20 against Houston, maybe one of the few guys on the Nuggets with a really good offensive game in that one. Denver only had 85 points in that game, if you remember. And then against the Thunder, 27, 9 assists, 0 turnovers on 11 of 20 shooting, 3 of 9 from 3. This was the first game in Jamal Murray's career where he's had 19 plus points, 5 plus assists, and 0 turnovers. So that's a little bit of insight into how much trouble he's had hanging on to the ball, not turning it over while also handing out assists and having a high-usage game. So this is his first game, and obviously he really exceeded those numbers, going for 27 points, 9 assists, and 0 turnovers. But his first career game with 15-plus points, 5-plus assists, and 0 turnovers. The three-point shooting in this game, to your point, Steve, fascinating. I know, the Nuggets shot the lights out against the Thunder, against the fourth-ranked defense in the league this year, or at least that's what OKC was heading into this game. Uh, they shot 14-33 from three-point range, 42.5%, one of their better performances of the season. Really, their only great 
offensive performance over this last stretch of games. They have been brutal offensively. This game, it's been the only game where they've shot better than 26% from three-point range in their last five games. That's tough to believe. They were in the 20s against Indiana, in the 20s against Detroit, at 16.7%, like you said, Steve, 424 from the three-point line against Houston, up above 42% against the Thunder, and then back down under 20% against the Wizards. And his offensive struggle is a bit of a storyline right now. The Nuggets are not shooting the ball great. I think maybe some bad luck has gone into that. The Nuggets got a lot of open shots. They got a lot of great three-point looks against the Wizards, but Denver was just 6-29 on wide-open threes per NBA.com. So they got open looks. They just weren't able to convert. A lot of people have asked if fatigue is possibly a factor with the low three-point shooting. I would say potentially just from a long NBA season, and now that we're in the final 10-game stretch of it, there's going to be some natural physical and mental fatigue that comes into play here. But I don't think these guys are tired from getting overworked. They might be tired from just a long season, I don't think they're necessarily getting overworked. I mean, if you look at their minutes and even their minutes since Michael Malone took Isaiah Thomas out of the rotation and really trimmed things down, it's not like Nicole Jokic is playing 35, 36, 37 minutes a night. He's still around the 31, 32 mark where he's been for most of the season. So I don't think fatigue necessarily from a trimmed down rotation is the reason for poor three-point shooting. I think maybe just fatigue from the 82-game season, mentally and physically, and maybe just some bad luck has gone into that. But the one thing I will say about the discrepancy between the Thunder game and the Rockets game, the Nuggets play with so much confidence against the Thunder, and that's the reason why I think OKC is a pretty desirable matchup for Denver, just based on, like I said, how confidently Denver plays against OKC, how sure of themselves they look in those games, and also because... I get the feeling Paul George's injury is a lot worse than the Thunder are letting on, and his numbers over the last month plus since getting injured are terrible, and I'm not sure if he's going to be that MVP candidate in the playoffs. In fact, I don't think he will be, but Denver is just so confident against the Thunder. They shoot the ball with confidence. They run through their sets confidently, and when you go into a game with that level of self-confidence, sometimes that stuff can just bleed over into really good shooting numbers and really efficient offense. And I think that's what you see whenever the Nuggets go up against the Thunder. They just look like a really confident team. They run their sets with a lot of confidence. They shoot the ball with confidence. They shoot the ball with the thought in their mind that it's going in. And that's really the opposite of how they play against the Rockets really for the last two, three years. They don't play with a ton of confidence against the Rockets. They get rattled at times when Harden hits those step back threes, they look a bit defeated, as a lot of teams do in this league. So I think there's a pretty stark contrast there with the level of confidence they play with against the Thunder compared to the Rockets. And I think there's something there to how it bleeds over into their shooting numbers and also how they shoot from three. The next part of your question, Steve, what do I look for when watching games? A bunch of different things, actually, besides just kind of watching the ball, which is really the natural thing that I think a lot of us watch when we watch games. I will always be keeping in the back of my mind, what do the Nuggets assist numbers look like in the first quarter? When they score you know, their first eight baskets of the game and have 
six or seven or eight assists, that's usually a good sign. The Nuggets' assist numbers at the end of a game are a pretty good indicator of how well they played offensively that night. Denver's 21-5 on the year when recording 30-plus assists, and that's usually a pretty good number for Denver if they can get over 30. If they can get up into the 35-40 range, that's almost going to definitely be a win for the Nuggets every time. So I always look at the assist numbers, and I think it's a really good indicator how the Nuggets offense is operating, particularly in the first quarter. If Jokic gets three or four assists in the first quarter, that's usually a good sign. If Denver ends the first quarter with, say, 11, 12 baskets and nine or 10 assists, that's a good indicator of things to come, in my opinion. I also just watch Nicole Jokic at times. Sometimes it's fun to just watch a player, particularly one who's as involved on the offensive end of the floor as he is it's a good kind of look into how the Nuggets offense operates. It's a good look and and a good way to focus on just how the Nuggets are running their stuff that night, how involved he is, if he's floating on the perimeter, if he's the fulcrum of every single play. Just watching Nikola Jokic can be a pretty good indicator about how well the Nuggets are playing, particularly on the offensive end, and it's just fun. I also look at how aggressive Jamal Murray comes out at the beginning of games and really just watch him on offense. If he's really involved from the start, if he's really decisive from the start, and if he's knocking a couple shots down that first quarter, I think he's a guy who is really the benefactor of getting some shots to go early on, getting in the flow of the offense early on, seeing that ball go through the hoop. He's a guy who seems to play really well throughout the rest of the game if he has a good first quarter. Also, is Denver getting paint threes? This is a stat that the Nuggets track internally with their assistant coaches on the bench. They keep track of how many threes the Nuggets hit that come off touches from the paint. So say the ball goes into Nikola Jokic at the post, and then he kicks it out to Gary Harris who knocks down a three. That's a paint three, and Denver's assistant coaches keep track of how many of those they have throughout the game. That's a great indicator of the quality of shots Nuggets are getting. If they're getting a lot of paint threes, that means they're probably getting a lot of open threes, and they're probably hitting a lot of those open threes. Well, except over this stretch where Denver has not shot the ball great on uncontested shots. So those are some of the things I look at. The Nuggets' assist numbers... Jokic, Murray's aggressiveness from the start, and paint threes. Keep an eye on those things when you're watching this game against the Warriors on Tuesday, and I think you'll have a pretty good idea of how the Nuggets are doing. Let's hit a break real quick. I got a few more questions I want to get to on the show. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. If you're living in Colorado and you are craving some good old Southern barbecue, be sure to give Moe's Original Barbecue a try. My favorite thing about Moe's Original Barbecue is we are a Southern soul food revival. We make everything from scratch daily, house-made smoked meats, and customer service to the next level. That was Robbie Peoples, one of the managers over at Moe's Original Barbecue. And like he mentioned, they have incredible food, awesome customer service, and I think my favorite part is how cool the environment is in both of their locations. We have live music at Moe's at our south location, 3295 South Broadway, which is a 
full PA system ticket sales. Uh, we have national bands. We have local bands. If you're a local band interested in playing, feel free to contact us at moesdenver.com. We would love to have you come down and play for a big old party at Moe's Original Barbecue. Not only do they have live music, but they also have a bowling alley and a dozen TVs with all of your favorite games on. They have two locations, one in downtown Denver off Broadway and 6th, and of course the other one that Robbie mentioned in Inglewood. I would recommend some most to someone because we cater to all needs. A family-friendly atmosphere. We have Colorado beers on tap, all the games on the TVs. It will blow your mind with amazing barbecue. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast. We are presented today by The Green Solution. Visit mygreensolution.com. Use the promo code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Let's go back to the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Got a question from Sam about if the Nuggets should potentially tank over a couple of these final games to avoid a certain Western Conference playoff opponent. Hey, Sam from Orlando. I was wondering, if we beat the Warriors and the Spurs, um, would you lose to the Portland Trailblazers twice so we can avoid playing the Houston Rockets? Thanks for this question, Sam. So what he's saying here, should the Nuggets lose to Portland twice to drop to the four seed. So Portland and Houston, I guess they're the two, three matchup and the Nuggets avoid the Rockets potentially to the Western conference finals and play the Warriors or or line up to play the Warriors in the second round. I wouldn't. And here's why I don't give the Nuggets a great shot to beat the Rockets in a playoff series. I don't give them a good shot to play the Warriors either. I don't think they have specifically a worse shot to beat the Rockets or the Warriors in a playoff series. In fact, I think they have the better shot to beat the Rockets really because I could see a scenario out there where one of Houston's key contributors really thinking about Chris Paul here. I think there's a much better likelihood that he would suffer an injury than a guy on the Warriors. And even if he's out, there's a chance the Rockets are able to beat the Nuggets in a playoff series. But I do think they'd have a pretty good shot against Houston if he's out. Also, I'd want to stay in the two spot. A, there's a chance that Portland keeps the three and say you split that series with Portland and Portland doesn't have the toughest schedule remaining. And I think they can survive this Nurkic injury. I don't think it's, it's as devastating as some are making it out to be. So there's still a chance out there that Portland keeps a three. Uh, I'd say Houston is probably the favorite for that spot, but it's still a potential scenario that Portland keeps that three seed. Also, if you're the four, you're probably matching up with the Jazz in the first round. And if I'm Denver, I would much rather play the Spurs or the Thunder, the two teams that look like the Nuggets' most likely opponent if they're the one or the two seed. And I'm, I'm just much more comfortable with a matchup against one of those teams than the Jazz. And also... This is an interesting topic and an interesting debate in NBA circles. There was an article by Tom Haberstroh that came out about this. If there's any truth to teams carrying momentum at the end of the season into the playoffs or have teams just flip the switch in the past, I would recommend going and reading this article. But what he pretty much found when looking at the data was there's no correlation between how well teams play at the end of a regular season and how well they may play in the playoffs. Like Teams have not carried over momentum from 
a strong close to the regular season into the first round of the playoffs. He's noted how some of LeBron's teams and how some of these Warriors teams and even those really good Spurs teams going back four or five years did not close the regular season well, but flipped the switch and were really good immediately in the playoffs. And obviously, I think there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, the numbers don't lie there. You can be playing really bad basketball leading up to the playoffs and still look good in the postseason. I do think for this Nuggets team, it's really important to maybe not necessarily win like six of your last seven games or five out of your last six games or whatever, but at least just build really good habits in the lead up to the playoffs. I think there have been some bad habits building over the last couple of games, and the Nuggets would be well off if they flushed those down the toilet and got some wins, I think, personally, and started getting those really good habits back ahead of the playoffs. And also the fact that Denver's so young, I'm not sure if they know what flipping the switch means, right? Like I think a lot of those LeBron teams and the Warriors teams, obviously, they're so good and they have so much playoff experience. They know what it's like to play in the postseason that they know how to flip the switch, what that feels like. I don't know if this Nuggets team feels that or knows that yet. So I would advise the Nuggets to try to find somewhat of a rhythm down the stretch in the playoffs. Tough to do that when you're tanking games, and I just don't know if that would be good for the overall psyche of this team, to be honest. Hello, this is EJ Holloway from Jacksonville, Florida. I have a question for you, Harrison. Um, Playoffs obviously coming up. Uh, I believe we have seven games left. Uh, Got a great win against the Thunder after dropping the game against the Rockets. Um, and had that terrible game against the Pacers. Um, you know, the Rockets, I believe, only have five games left. I think it's maybe a 30% chance that they catch us at the second seed. Um, and we're currently tied with Golden State for the first seed. Uh, it would be great to have home field advantage throughout, if you will. Uh, my question today for you, Harrison, is what do you think is the best matchup in the playoffs for us? say we keep the one seed, two seed, or even jump into the three seed, um, between these four teams, what is our best matchup uh, since we play Jokic ball? Um, where will we perform best here in the playoffs? Um, anyway, what I'm looking at is the Jazz um, probably being the toughest team. The other three teams, uh, we're looking at the Clippers, Spurs, and um, the Thunder, who we won the last six games against. Uh, I think the Thunder would be a terrific matchup. I think Gobert gives Jokic fits. Um, I also think the Clippers would be a solid matchup as well. Thanks for the question, EJ. Yeah, kind of along the same lines as that last one. I think the Jazz would be a really tough matchup for the Nuggets in the first round, to be quite honest. They're a team who's been there, done that in the first round before. They took care of the Thunder easily last year. They're really good at home as well. Wouldn't want to see them in the first round. I mean, it does seem like with how the standings are sorting out, the Spurs and the Thunder are going to be one of the teams that the Nuggets play. Two and a half games separate the Clippers right now at the sixth seed between the Spurs and the Thunder at the seven and the eight. I think the Clippers will be a good matchup for Denver, probably the most favorable out of all these teams, but just doesn't seem like that's going to be in the cards uh, for the Nuggets in the first round. I think Thunder and Spurs, pretty equal, to be quite honest. I'm not worried about the Thunder, though, kind of like I just went into earlier. This Paul George injury, I think it's a game changer in terms of if you would prefer to play the Thunder in the first round or not. I wouldn't be too scared of them 
if this Paul George shoulder injury continues to linger and doesn't really seem like it's going anywhere. So I wouldn't be too worried about them. And like I was just saying, the fact that the Nuggets have played so confidently against OKC, I think it's a preferable first round matchup for Denver. They've defended Russell Westbrook really well this year. They've defended Paul George really well this year. Both those guys shooting just 41% from the field across four matchups with Denver. Nuggets, they've scored 100 points every time against the Thunder, the fourth ranked defense in the league. So you know Denver's going to play confidently against them. I don't think they'd be intimidated at all by that first round matchup. So at this point, I would say, hey, bring on the Thunder if you're the Nuggets, instead of having to go to San Antonio and play in that freaking arena where they've won so many playoff games before. Also, Nikola Jokic just dominates Steven Adams. Adams has always been regarded as a really good defender, maybe a little overrated throughout his career as a defender, but he's anchored what's always been a pretty solid defense in Oklahoma City while he's been there. Jokic just dominates him, though. Absolutely dominates him. He has no trouble with Steven Adams, so... It's a series I'd love to see. Thanks for the call, EJ. We've got two more questions to get to, both coming after the loss of the Wizards. So you can probably guess the tone of those two upcoming questions. First, though, a quick word from new sponsor of the podcast, House Lift Colorado. Are you thinking about selling your house, but it's not in tip-top condition? How do you ensure you'll maximize your profit? If your house is in need of an upgrade, Houselift can assist in eliminating all the stress of the remodeling process while matching the current trends that buyers most desire. Get this, there are zero upfront costs from you, the homeowner. That's right, you won't pay for any of the upfront costs for the remodel until your house closes. Houselift will handle everything from the contractors to the design while managing these costs. Here's what you need to do. Head to their website or their Facebook page, both at houseliftcolorado.com and check out the incredible remodels Houselift has done for homeowners here in the metro area. In past jobs, Houselift has put anywhere from fifteen dollars to $60,000 more in their clients' pockets. Call 303-885-7888 today and find out what Houselift can do for you. Oh yeah, if you hire one of Houselift's preferred realtors, they will sell your home without charging a listing commission. Make sure to check out those guys, Houselift Colorado, on their website or Facebook page, houseliftcolorado.com. Next up, let's go to Corey, back on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. He was calling in after this Wizards game. These last two questions, you guessed it, both about Nicole Jokic. Hello, this is Corey from Florida, calling about none other than Big Honey himself, Nikola Jokic. Uh, obviously, he got himself tossed in the game. After uh, getting getting the no call, seemed like he really wanted that foul. Um, I'm just curious about the numbers um, as far as his free throw averages compared to other stars in the league. Because as a Nuggets fan, you you root for your home team, and you see him getting a lot of contact down low. The announcers mention it on the home broadcast. So. I'm just wondering about the discrepancy there, if there is any. Um, we know Jokic is a, is a, quite the fancy flopper, so um, <laughs> he may not get those calls because of those reasons. And he's not, he hasn't proven his talent in the playoffs, of course. So calling about uh, that ejection, how you think Jokic can react better and if there is actually a statistical discrepancy between free throws with him and other NBA All-Stars. Another uh, 
game where we didn't get any guard play at all. Monte Morris had a couple moments of, of good, and Jamal Murray as well. But overall, I think it's Jokic and, and whoever else decides to show up ready for the season to be over so the playoffs can start. And hopefully we play OKC. Go Nuggets. Yeah, thanks for the question, Corey. The last thing you said there, I agree. I think this team is really just looking forward to the postseason and waiting for this regular season to get over. Here's a couple stats with Jokic and drawing fouls. There's a belief out there that Jokic does not draw fouls, that he never gets whistles from the officials. That's not true. Nikola Jokic draws 8.2 fouls per 100 possessions. It's the 10th highest mark in the league. The thing about the types of fouls he draws is he draws a lot of fouls. He just doesn't draw shooting fouls. There's a site, pbpstats.com, which has thousands of different stats. I encourage you guys to go on there, but you can just sort by fouls drawn this season. Jokic has drawn the fifth most fouls in the league behind Luka Doncic, Blake Griffin, Kawhi Leonard, Giannis, and then Jokic. But going back to what I just said, he doesn't draw any shooting fouls. Ryan Blackbird put this table on Twitter and really insightful when just looking at how many shooting fouls Nicole Jokic draws on post-ups compared to other star bigs. And you can really see how few fouls he draws compared to the likes of Joel Embiid, Carl Towns, Anthony Davis, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, Jokic has like the same amount of post-ups pretty much as a Joel Embiid. Nicole Jokic has 566 post-ups on the year. Joel Embiid has 622 post-ups on the year. Nicole Jokic only attempted 55 free throws on those post-ups. Joel Embiid has attempted 176 free throws. You know? So there's a huge discrepancy there. I think there's a couple reasons for it. One, I mean, the one we all know about, he doesn't get a favorable whistle from referees, the same type of whistle that a lot of these other bigs get. Why? Maybe there's some inherent bias in there. I think the fact that he's an international guy, international guys have a lot of stigmas associated to them, like flopping, etc. I think that might be a reason why he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt on some calls. He's also such a finesse guy that that might be ingrained in the back of officials' minds. That could be another reason why he doesn't get those calls. I think there's something to all that stuff. So yes, there is a statistical discrepancy between how many shooting fouls he gets, how many foul calls he gets around the rim on post-ups compared to other bigs. Then again, the other part of your question, Corey, yes, of course he does need to keep his emotions in check. Michael Malone kind of said that after the game. He's got to be able to stay on the floor and he just can't react to that stuff no matter how bad it gets. All right, we got one more question on the Total Beverage Fan Hotline from our guy, Chris. Let's hear what he's got to say. Hey, hey, it's Chris in Denver. I'm calling about the, the Jokic ejection. What else? Um, I think after the game, Malone and a lot of the people covering the team have taken this stance. Well, Jokic needs to get better about controlling his emotions. He can't get tossed. And while that's true... I also think that you're ignoring a huge part of the story. Jokic is not officiated fairly. In that game, he was popped in the nose, didn't get a call. Bobby Portis hung off him. Imagine having Bobby Portis hanging off you. That could do incredible damage to you. Not a flagrant, just a common foul. 
and he got slapped on the back with a no call. That is not – James Harden doesn't get officiated that way. Steph Curry doesn't get officiated that way. Kevin Durant doesn't get officiated that way. LeBron James doesn't get officiated that way. It's incredibly naive to think that players could play Jokic like that in the playoffs and the team's going to go anywhere. You cannot have your best player consistently getting mugged without getting calls in the playoffs and expect to win. I don't see in what universe Jokic gets those call Jokic doesn't get those calls and the Nuggets do anything in the playoffs. I, I think by not even addressing the officiating, you are resigning yourself to a first round exit, possibly a first round sweep in the playoffs. Yes. Jokic needs to get better at controlling his emotions. But look at the way the other, these other players address the refs. You don't think Russ goes? Russ doesn't go off on refs? Draymond doesn't go off on refs? Heck, Kevin Durant said that the ref was the MVP of the game they lost against the Timberwolves. Yet I guarantee you he will get every call that he wants on Tuesday night. I also, you know, you, you know I look at other sports. Aaron Judge is the, has the worst strike zone in, in the majors. He's also the the best player on the best team, the biggest name in the game. Still has the worst strike zone. He doesn't complain, but not complaining doesn't really get you anywhere. Eventually you're going to have to say something. I understand that Jokic needs to do better. Believe me. <coughs> but I also don't think it's an either-or issue. I also think that if Jokic has continued to be, is, is continue, is continue to be officiated this way, that the Nuggets will not go anywhere. I just don't see a way where the Spurs, the Jazz, the Thunder are able to play Jokic this physically and the Nuggets win a playoff series, let alone the better teams like the Rockets, the Blazers, or the Warriors. That's it for me. As always, keep up the great work, love the show, and go Nuggets. Thanks so much for the question, Chris. As always, love the passion. I agree with you, man. I don't think it's an either-or issue either. Yes, Jokic needs to keep his emotions in check. Yes, the officiating at this point, after what happened last game, it's definitely an issue that needs to be talked about. And we've talked about it and written about it as well. And I'll tell you this, internally, behind the scenes, the Nuggets are as pissed as you are about the officiating and how Nicole Jokic is officiated. I'm sure they've talked to the league about it. They haven't come out publicly and Michael Malone hasn't gotten fined for anything he said, but I'm sure behind the scenes they've talked to the league about how he gets officiated, and why have they done that? Because they're probably thinking the same thing you are. This can't happen in the playoffs, and if it does happen in the playoffs, if he is officiated the same way he is in the regular season in the playoffs, I agree with you. That's going to be a problem. I don't think it would necessarily lead to a sweep, but it could contribute to a Nuggets first-round loss. And if it does happen in Game 1, Game 2 of the playoffs, at that point, Michael Malone would need to say something publicly before it's too late. At that point, he would need to go on a David Fisdale-type rant about how Nikola Jokic doesn't get a fair whistle, how the Nuggets get no respect. That's something that you would need to do in the playoffs before it gets too late. I'm talking about a Game 1 loss. That would call for it, you know? But I'll tell you that privately, they're fuming about how Jokic is being ref by the officials. It's an issue 
they're concerned with. I'll tell you that. They were concerned with it after the Tony Brothers ejection. They were pissed about it after this one. And it's something you know that they're not pinning totally on him. And they don't think it's an either-or issue either. The thing we've got to remember is, in this league, not everybody is officiated the same way. Stars get more calls than non-stars do. In referees' minds, I think it's pretty obvious that Jokic is not in that pantheon of some of those guys you just rattled off, like the LeBron Jameses, like the Kevin Durants, and like the Steph Currys. Is that fair? Of course not. That's just how the NBA is, though. And what you were saying about the Warriors game the other night, where Curry and that Warriors team calling out that ref, running up the floor, pointing him out. I mean, the Nuggets might have gotten their freaking playoff spot taken away by the league if they would have pulled something like that. Kidding, of course, but you get what I mean there. Like, if the Nuggets had pulled something like that, we're talking ejections, we're talking fines, and of course, the Warriors don't even get fined for that. I can't believe it. I cannot believe they did not even get fined for anything that happened in that game. Blows my mind. But then again, it's one of the downfalls of this league for sure. I'm with you, Chris, for the most part. If this happens in a first-round playoff series, it could spell trouble. I agree. When the game gets more physical, when referees tend to swallow their whistles even more, that could be an issue for the Nuggets, no doubt. And that's why, if I'm the Nuggets, I'd go to Michael Malone and say, hey, go off on the officiating. Go off on Nikola Jokic not getting any foul calls. Go off how he is an all-star, how he's an MVP candidate this year, how he could very well finish third in MVP voting with how Paul George has fallen off over the last couple of months, and he doesn't get the respect of the officials that he should. Go off to the referees about that, and we'll pay your fine. That's what the Nuggets should say to Michael Malone, and if he doesn't do that in the regular season after this happens again, because I'm sure it will happen again, over one of these final games against a team like San Antonio or a team like Portland or potentially that game against Utah, he's got to do it in the playoffs. And by then, the fact of the matter might be, it could be too late. So that's why I would encourage that to happen in the regular season before you even get to the postseason. Put that in the back of the officials' minds. Because if this happens in the playoffs in game one and game two and you go on a rant like that to the officials and it doesn't do anything, then you put yourself at risk of losing that first round series. And that would be a disappointment for sure at this point in the year, trending towards the number two or even the top spot in the West. Thanks for the question, Chris. Always appreciate it. I think we're in agreement there for the most part. Hey, I want to remind you guys, if you do have questions for the show, 1-800-BSN-8394. 1-800-BSN-8394, the Total Beverage Fan Hotline. Right now on BSN Denver, a lot of great content. As always, we'll have another podcast going up after this Warriors game reacting to either a win and the Nuggets as the first seed in the West with five games to go or a loss and probably a number two seed come playoff time. Also up on bsndenver.com right now, I spoke with Altitude sideline reporter, color commentator on the radio, pregame, postgame analyst in the studio, Katie Wingy, of course, about when she was in the broadcast booth last month for International Women's Day, March 8th against the Warriors. I spoke to her ahead of 
her return to Oracle, of course, where she made history by becoming the first woman in Altitude TV history to call a game from the broadcast booth as an analyst. So I spoke with her kind of about her journey and the message she wants to send to young girls all over the world who want to get into a male-dominated sports industry and how she's trying to break some of the stereotypes that still exist in sports, in media, in 2019. So it was a good conversation. I like how the piece turned out. Make sure to check that out on bsndenver.com. And with that, we'll be back with another episode on Wednesday. Talk to you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.